What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official flagship podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com's network of podcasts. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you on Sunday, November 24th, 2019, from lovely Oakland, California. I hope wherever you are, it's it's warmer than it was in the shoe yesterday, but hopefully you guys are here in this late Sunday or early Monday as we got a lot to talk about today on this recap episode of Ohio State's 28-17 win over Penn State. The Buckeyes clinch the Big Ten East. They will be going back to Indianapolis and presumably no matter what happens against Michigan, that'll officially be for a playoff spot. So Ohio State 11-0 heading into Michigan in Ann Arbor on the road. It's going to be a lot of fun to preview that one. Uh, Very special surprise for you guys for our preview episode of that Michigan game. I can't wait to record that tomorrow and for you guys to hear that. I think think you're going to enjoy uh, this week's preview episode. But we're not here to talk about Michigan just yet because we got to recap the Penn State game. Uh, Before I do that, Make sure if it's your first time listening or you're a regular listener, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast Search, Land Grant Holy Land. Uh, Leave a comment, leave a review, leave some feedback. It helps other people find the show and uh, it helps us make these shows better. So please, anytime you can give us some feedback, uh, let let us know. Let us know what we can do better. Certainly, I know I can do a a much better job and keep continuing to improve this podcast. And I love that, uh, that you guys have made yourself a part of it and uh, are vocal about stuff. It's, it's really great to have that interaction. So follow along on Apple and follow on Spotify as well. That's where you can find the show. Okay, let's talk about what happened yesterday. Ever since that game, even when it was still going on, I have been wrestling with what to think about it. I recorded like two separate intros for this show, both like 10 minutes long, and just scrapped them. I still don't know what to think about this game. And you guys had a lot of good responses, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But there's a couple different ways, I think, to, to break down this game. And you certainly don't have to be on either side of the fence here. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. But I'm going to try to bring up both perspectives and just kind of figure out where where really we stand on this game and, and what, what to think about it. Because the first one is... Ohio State just beat a top 10 team, and I think yesterday solidified it for me that Penn State isn't one of the best teams in the country, but I certainly think they're one of the 10 to 12 best teams. So you just beat a top 10 or 12 team on senior day for the Big Ten East title, a division, basically a division elimination game because Penn State isn't losing next week. They would have won the division if they won this game. So you beat a really good team for the division in a big spot, in really terrible conditions while you don't play your best game. I think far and away, that was Ohio State's worst game of the season. And all of that adds up to an 11-point win. I think if you told anybody that, hey, Ohio State's going to play its worst game of the season, they're going to have a ton of self-inflicted mistakes, and they're going to win by 11 points. They're going to win by double digits. And it really is never going to feel like they're going to lose. I can't speak for you guys, but even when it was 21-17, to 17, I never got a feeling of like, damn, Penn State's going to get the lead here. And I don't know if they can, I don't know if they can come back. So that's a way of looking at it as well as like they finally played in a game like this. So at the very least, they got the experience before they head out to Ann Arbor. I think that that's something that we can kind of look back on and maybe super valuable for this team that, 
hey, they needed to have a game like this before they played uh, this last game on the road at Michigan. And a, a Michigan team that right now is playing the best football they've played in a couple of years, I think. I mean, they I'm not going to say that they're one of the best five teams in the country, but this is kind of what we thought Michigan more so would, would look like than really the kind of trash fire they were on offense early in the season. So to get that experience against Penn State and to kind of get punched in the mouth a little bit, taste your own blood, it's hard to quantify like how valuable that is, but I do think that it's valuable. And so we finally got a look at Ohio State in a close game, how Ryan Day coaches in a close game, how Justin Fields reacts to stuff, reacts to mistakes, how he reacts to his own mistakes and mistakes of teammates. And I thought for the most part, Ohio State did a pretty good job. You know, they took a really big punch from Penn State in that third quarter where Penn State rattled off 17 unanswered and really made it a game. And from then on, Ohio State kind of just reasserted control and and dominated from that point forward. So that was good to see Ohio State take a punch. So that's one way of looking at it. And that's the more, you know, optimistic, positive way. The other way is what historically this show has been and to be very cynical about what we saw yesterday. And I don't think I'm as cynical as we were last year when certain things were going on, uh, especially the the Penn State game from last year. I think if you go back and listen, like that one, that show kind of felt like a loss. And there were a lot of games the last couple of years that Ohio State won that felt like a loss. This one didn't have that same feeling to me, but there were a ton of things to be concerned about and a lot to be cynical of, whether it was all the turnovers, whether it was, you know, Justin Fields fumbling on the the half yard line or JK Dobbins fumbling and really having Penn state kind of build up this idea that, Hey, like we can, we can play with these guys. Like we, hell we can, we can win this game. And I don't want to not give Penn state credit because I thought they played a a good game and they were able to to hang with Ohio state and they've they've got a lot of talented players. So I don't want to make it just like, Hey, Ohio state hurt themselves. But for a lot of this game, they, they really did, whether it was those fields fumbles Dobbins fumbling. Uh, Chris Olave dropped the touchdown pass in the end zone and he, he made up for that. And we're going to talk about that. But those were mistakes that the players made. And it probably, this game shouldn't have been close, to be quite honest with you. Like this, this game should have been either 28 to nothing or 35 to nothing at halftime. And those fumbles, there was a hold on Thayer Munford in Penn State territory around the 30 that kind of really derailed that drive. And then at Olave drop, there were just things here and there where it was like, man, this kind of feels like the 2015 Michigan State game all over again because they are just punching themselves in the stomach. So I thought a lot of the mistakes that they made were on the players, but there was also some coaching stuff. And I've had people tell me on Twitter here and there, like, oh, what, what's going to happen when Day makes his first mistake? You know, you loved killing Urban Meyer when he made coaching mistakes and, you know, ripping on him for the play calling. What are you going to say when, when Ryan Day does something similar? And yesterday we saw a little bit of that with Ryan Day too and, and the coaching and the play calling and Chris Olave not being on the field for a large stretch of this game. I don't know what that was about. Was that because it was senior day and you wanted to get Austin Mack on the field. It certainly couldn't have been for the way he was playing and what he had done all season because we know how good he is. So there were, there were just certain things that were odd and it all just kind of came came together for a really weird game and one that 
Ohio State can't play against Michigan. They can't do that against Michigan and win. I, at least I don't feel confident that they can make those mistakes and win. I don't think that they can play that sort of game against Minnesota in that setting against P.J. Fleck, who's going to have a very motivated Minnesota team or even Wisconsin, you know, depending on who wins that game between those two. And then, you know, whatever you, whatever team you want to dream of of playing in the playoff, you can't play any high-level team like that and expect to win. So that's something that they really need to clean up. I don't think it defines who they are. I don't think that that's something that they're just going to do down the stretch is just make a ton of mistakes on the field and in coaching. But it's definitely something to, to keep an eye out for. So I think that Ohio State has a lot of things to clean up after this one. And there's reason to be cynical and, and skeptical of, hey, this is the best team they played. And, you know, that's that's what they did. They had a chance to, to really put Penn State away and they just couldn't do it because of self-inflicted mistakes. But after rewatching it and getting some time to, to think about it, those mistakes, you know, th- that's not something I think that they're just going to do every single week. And, you know, the scoreboard says otherwise. And I get that that's the only thing that matters. Ohio State dominated this game. Ohio State should have won this game by 25 points, quite honestly. And they didn't, but I think that they're more of the team that we saw from the first drive of the game where they just pounded the ball down Penn State's throat, immediately scored a touchdown, asserted their dominance, showed that without question they're a more talented and better team. And I think that they're more of that team and the team we saw for 15 minutes of the game than they are the team we saw for 40 to 45 minutes of the game where they were just really sloppy and they were kind of up and down. I, th- I think that Ohio State still proved in this game, despite making all of these mistakes, that they're the best team in the country, but they can't continue to do that against better teams if that makes sense. So that's kind of how I feel about this one. There's definitely a little bit of a cynicism about it kind of have a side eye to a little bit of it but honestly I, I think that the best place to go back to this one and where I'm going is that Ohio State played its worst game of the season by far and they just beat a top 10 team by 11 points so that goes to show the potential of this team and what they are when they're playing at their ceiling and they just got to avoid those those critical self-inflicted mistakes all right with that big spiel out of the way Let's talk about the the actual game and some of the stuff that stood out to me. And I just said it. The the big thing right at right at the start was what the offense did with the ball when they got it because the defense kind of bended a little bit on Penn State's first drive, forced them into a punt. Uh, I have no idea why James Franklin punted twice in plus territory in the first half. That was just a completely baffling decision but they pinned Ohio State uh, what on the nine yard line and I, th- I thought it was telling and really foreshadowed kind of what Ohio State's offensive philosophy was going to be yesterday based on that first drive because out of the 13 plays 12 were runs and it really felt like that was an emphasis like they had game planned this is what we want to do even though Penn State had the top ranked rushing defense in terms of yards per carry allowed coming into it that they were committed to just pounding the ball and, and Justin Fields having 21 carries his most by far this season really showed that but on that first drive 12 runs 91 yards it takes five minutes of clock uh, Justin Fields has two huge runs on third downs to uh, to keep that drive alive and to me I tweeted this when it happened that that first drive of the game it felt like we were watching 2012 to 2017 Ohio State. I mean, that that looked like an Urban Meyer 
Tom Herman offense of what they wanted to do. And they just dominated Penn State down the field with it. And I think that that drive was almost not a bad thing because I mean you go twelve you go twelve plays thirteen plays ninety one yards and score a touchdown and that's never bad but I I think that it kind of not masked what they wanted to do offensively but like when you look at the passing numbers from yesterday Justin Fields was sixteen of twenty two for one hundred eighty eight yards about eight and a half yards per attempt two touchdowns no interceptions Justin Fields threw the ball really well and it felt like that first drive. They pounded the ball, and then from that point on, it was just like, okay, the, the weather's bad. We're going to run the ball. And they really could have just thrown all game, and I, I think that they probably would have won by even more. That would have been a better strategy for them because they certainly couldn't hold on to the ball when they ran it for, for a large portion of this game, namely that, that early in the third quarter where Penn State had their run. But I thought that it was interesting that they came out so determined to run, and it really set the tone for what the offense was going to be for the rest of the day. And Granted, even with the mistakes, they they ran well. Looking at the numbers right now, you know, J.K. Dobbins had 36 carries for 157 yards, two touchdowns. I don't think it was his best game at Ohio State, but it may have been his guttiest game. I mean, when you're getting 36 carries and churning out 157 yards, that's that's some tough. There were some tough hits that J.K. Dobbins took yesterday, and he ran really well. And it's not like one of those gains was of 50 yards. His longest was. 22 so he was just grinding out short yards when they needed it and you know you look at the fourth and goal when they they punched it in or some of the other short yardage plays J.K. Dobbins just played like a stud even with that fumble so for him to get that type of workload I think was was awesome because we had been not wondering like could J.K. Dobbins do it in the fourth quarter and salt away a game because we've seen him do it before but to see him finally get rewarded and to play a second half and to get meaningful fourth quarter carries, I'm sure for him that that's, that's a badge of honor to be able to help Ohio State close out a game like that. And Justin Fields, too, 21 attempts, 68 yards. Not all those were designed. Some of them were scrambles. But Fields, I think, for the most part, ran pretty well. And uh, they had 61 total attempts for 229 yards, 3.8 yards per carry. So they didn't run, they didn't run great at all but that's a really strong Penn State defense and uh, I I just think that it's interesting that they that was so much a part of the game plan rather than throwing the ball because they really threw whenever they wanted and and Justin Fields didn't make even like two or three bad decisions in the passing game there were a couple of underthrows and maybe that's why they were a little hesitant to throw the ball more but I thought for the most part Justin Fields played really well there were if you go back and look Maybe it's the the third down throw to Austin Mack where he throws it um, on an out route before he's even out of his break. And that to me, I was like, damn, I haven't seen him make that throw before. Or I haven't seen him throw with that sort of anticipation. And for him to do that, I think I've moved beyond the point of just like Justin Fields is doing what Ryan Day asks and Day just specifically puts him in good positions. I'm at the point now about Justin Fields playing quarterback and throwing the ball where I'm just like, he is he's a damn good quarterback. I mean, he can make some high-level throws. There's stuff that needs work. The The deep ball thing is still a little bit of an issue. I think at this point, it, Chris Olave showed, like, just throw the ball up to him. He's going to go get it. Don't worry about the efficiency of that because Chris Olave can go and get it. And he almost got another one where there was like three Penn State guys there. So I, I think that you don't need to be completely perfect with those throws. And so that's something hopefully they're they're able to continue to work on and have success with. But I, I thought it was odd that Day just kind of got away from the passing game 
in the, at the start of the second half, and that was something that they were just so determined to run the ball and not make mistakes that, yeah, a little bit of that did feel very Urban Meyer-ish, but to the, to the same token in, in transitioning to uh, those mistakes and the play calling and what a lot of us and a lot of people on Twitter were talking about with what Ryan Day did, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't at all. I think I, I said that on Twitter that, hey, the play calling was bad, but I understand why he may have been wary because they were even just doing simple things and the players were making mistakes. So I was like, damn, we can't trust Justin to hold on to the ball. We can't trust JK to hold on to the ball right now. Uh, why are we going to throw the ball in these conditions? So like the play calling was really bad in the second half. I don't think there's any way around it, but I can see why they were a little bit more conservative than they usually are. I think that that's one. We, we talk about Ohio State playing close games and that being valuable experience. I think that Ryan Day is going to rewatch that game and they probably have already watched the film by the time you're hearing this and think like, man, we, we should have just trusted Justin Moore in the passing game because I don't think Penn State's secondary is, is very good. And those receivers were able to make plays. Even Garrett Wilson had a nice play where they just got him the ball in space. He juked a dude and got like 20 yards. So I, I think they'll come away from this game with more, hopefully more of a trust for what they can do in the passing game. And they're like, hey, if they need to salt away a lead or they need to build a lead, they don't have to just do it with J.K. Dobbins in a tight game. Like they can, they can trust Justin Fields to make the right reads and to make really good throws. So I, I wish we would have seen more of that yesterday because I thought low key um, through the air Justin Fields had a really really strong game and he made a couple of plays there at the end. It wasn't the last drive, but maybe the second to last drive. There was a third down uh, where he he spun out of the pass rusher. He turned his back completely to the line of scrimmage, spun out of the play, and hit Jeremy Ruckert streaking across the field near the sideline, just like on a dime with a Penn State uh, defender right on his ass. And he hit him right in the hands. Perfect throw. Barely got the first down, but it moved the chains. And that was really the point where I was like, okay, that's game. If if Penn State can't make that play and that's what Justin Fields is doing, then they've salted this thing away. So I was really impressed with what Justin Fields did through the air, and I hope that they trust him more in crucial situations to throw the ball, and they trust these receivers because these guys are playmakers. So I'd like to see more of that going forward. My other big takeaway from this game, apologies for it taking 18 minutes for me to utter this man's name on the podcast because he's the best player on the field. He was the best player on the field yesterday. He's the best player on any field he steps onto. He's the best player in the country. And that's that's Chase Young, man. Chase Young is there there really aren't I, I don't have words. I'm not smart enough to come up with enough words to to adequately uh describe how good Chase Young is. He is unbelievable. Having him come back after a two game suspended, uh just refreshed. I had it down in my notes in the first quarter that I wrote, Chase Young looks rested to say the least. Like, yeah, Chase Young looked very rested and he was awesome. That That's one of the most um, well-rounded individual efforts I think I've ever seen an Ohio State player have. And I, I we keep saying that. You keep hearing other people say like, damn, is he the best Ohio State player ever? Like, I mean, there are certainly more decorated Ohio State players, but in terms of just like most dominant at his position it's him and Orlando Pace right like he's that good he is unbelievable and whether you just go stats 
Uh, nine total tackles yesterday, five solo, three sacks, four tackles for loss. He was everywhere. Or if you just if you go back and just watch that game and only watch, just watch Chase Young. Go back and watch yesterday's game and just watch Chase Young every play and see what his presence does to affect an offense every single play is just astounding even when he's not doing anything or in terms of like he's not sacking the quarterback or or forcing a fumble he's getting chipped every single play they have to you can't guard him one-on-one and I don't know when any of these coaches will learn that like your tackle isn't good enough I don't care if your guy is a projected first round pick in the NFL draft next year he's not good enough to, to block Chase Young on his own and if you don't have a tight end chipping him or a running back chipping him, or a fullback, or whoever you want to help out with him, your game plan is going to get wrecked. And Penn State, they they use their tight ends more as, as pass catchers, and that really kind of exposed their offense to just getting absolutely demolished. Because even when you chip him with a running back, like he's going to throw that guy aside. And it takes two players to just have to figure out what to do with Chase Young. So his performance yesterday was unbelievable. And I know that one of those uh, tackles for loss, or I don't know if they ruled it a sack or a tackle for loss, was you know the bad snap. But even then, I think Penn State had just taken a false start. Or there was one, there was one of those times where Penn State took a false start, and then the next play, Chase Young got a sack. And it, it just like is it's amazing to watch him every single play and to know that all of the focus is on him and all he just continues to do is make plays. And so something interesting with that that I said yesterday was that in one of these games, Michigan, Big Ten Championship, hopefully a playoff game or two, uh, Chase Young is going to get a lot of attention. Zach Harrison, I was going to say Zach Smith, definitely not Zach Smith. Uh, Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith, there's going to be a moment where one of those dudes is going to have to make a critical play because Chase Young has so much attention on him that somebody else along that defensive line needs to eat. And Robert Landers, I think, got into the backfield a couple of times. Jay Sean Cornell got into the backfield a couple of times. But they really need somebody else on that defensive line to step up and make a huge play. Not to say that they haven't, but that that's what it's going to take because as good as Chase Young is against these better teams – he isn't, I mean, you would assume he's not going to be able to, to have every single game like this, but then again, he's that good. But I'd really like to see uh, one of those guys step up and just take them to the next level, which is scary to think about and just like me wanting way too much. But I, I do think that hopefully after like Big Ten Championship game, you get to playoff practice, hopefully, that, you know, Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, are able to be a little bit more consistent on a down-to-down basis because as scary as Ohio State's defense is to have another pass rusher playing at a high level across from him would just really, really take this defense into the next gear against some of the better teams in the country. As for the defense overall, I, I thought that they played pretty well for the most part, even you know with they had, Penn State had the 75-yard uh, touchdown drive that took nine plays, and there was some really ugly tackling on that drive. But outside of that, I thought that they had a pretty good day. They held Penn State to like three yards per play, which you do that to anyone, then you're having a really, really good game. But, you know, one one thing that I noticed was after Fields fumbled, the one uh, in the end zone, that to me defined this year's team and why this year's team is so much better than the past couple of seasons. Because last year's defense especially – that fumble happens. Penn State has has a little bit of hype, has a little bit of juice, 
and Penn State probably goes right down the field and scores a touchdown, and it's seven seven right from the jump, and you're just thinking like, damn, that's that's the swing that the defense couldn't couldn't hold up. They couldn't pick up the offense after they made a mistake. This year's defense, no, they they forced a punt, and the offense just continually put the defense in bad positions from the second quarter basically on through the rest of the game. And the defense, for the most part, was able to respond. Penn State basically got gifted 10 points with those two turnovers, but I thought that the defense really kind of held strong, and they were able to make a couple of plays outside of what Chase Young did. Um, You know, Pete Warner had a super unenviable job yesterday in playing that Penn State tight end. I think it's Firemuth. Am I saying that right? I hope so. He's one of the best tight ends in the country, and I, I don't know if that was the best decision by the staff to leave Pete Werner on him. And I think they switched it up on third downs and they had Sean Wade on him in the second half. But for the most part, he did a really, I think he, I don't, I don't know if he did a really good job, but I I thought that he stepped up given the situation. Uh, He had that pass that he deflected, should have picked off. And that, that may have been six if he was able to catch it. But I, I thought for the most part, I was like, damn, Pete Warner's, he's, he's rolling around there. He's making some plays. So I thought he had a really unenviable task in covering that uh, covering that tight end. But I thought he did the most that he could have given the situation. So that stood out to me. Um, Malik Harrison just continues to play at 100 miles per hour and looks great. He's He continues to play well. Uh, Baron Browning had maybe his best game at Ohio State. Uh, it looked like, certainly looked like he was 100% yesterday. Seven total tackles, uh, four solo, one and a half sacks, and two and a half tackles for loss. Baron Browning, he's he's got to be on the field, especially against more of these high-level teams. I would love to see him on the field uh, even more against Michigan. He, was, he looked like he was just playing free yesterday. So I'd love to see Baron Browning playing like that. And Justin Hilliard, I think I mentioned earlier just a a little sidebar that he had had that interception but what a play huge play not a great decision by Penn State's backup quarterback but Justin Hilliard you love to see that on senior day too like that that's just so cool for him in particular who he's just battled so much in his career and there were so the expectations were so high for him in his career when he first came to Ohio State and to really not, not that he didn't live up to it but to have so many setbacks thrown at him and to just continue persisting and, and and to finally have you know this big moment on senior day in the fourth quarter and you make a play like that uh, nobody deserves that more than Justin Hilliard so hopefully he gets even more playing time too I think you know we've talked about the linebackers enough but you guys know where where I stand on that one so it was it's great that Justin Hilliard made a play like that in a, in a really crucial situation Okay, other stuff that I liked and, and stood out to me yesterday, uh, Chris Olave. I know I, I briefly mentioned it earlier. Maybe I'm just losing my mind and I already went on that big spiel about him. But if I if I did or I didn't, I'm going to do it again because it needs to be said, Chris Olave should never be off the field. I tweeted about this like ad nauseum yesterday. You guys know it. I know it. The coaching staff know. Everybody knows it watching Ohio State that – Chris Olave, I I know I've gushed about J.K. Dobbins and uh, Justin Fields all year, and maybe this is a bit of a hot take. When Chris Olave is on the field, he is the best player on the field on both sides of the ball, meaning whoever the defense has that Ohio State is playing and whoever else is on the field with him on offense for Ohio State. Chris Olave is the best player on the field. He needs the ball more, and 
he all he does is make plays. And there was a stretch of the game where he was off the field and the broadcast talked about it. And they seemed to like hint that he wasn't on the field for Austin Mack. And I like Austin Mack a lot. And I think he's he's another guy like Justin Hilliard, who kind of is dealt got dealt a pretty pretty rough hand at times with injuries and he's continued to fight back and it's great to see him out there making plays being a target for Justin Fields but they kind of insinuated that he wasn't on the field for Austin Mack and I felt that that was really interesting and and shouldn't be a thing at all because Chris Olave is far and away Ohio State's best receiver all due respect to Benjamin Victor to KJ Hill Garrett Wilson everybody else Uh, Chris Olave should never ever ever be off the field because when you, and it's surprising that he was, and maybe it was just a senior day thing. That's really the only thing that I can guess, unless there was like some super secret disciplinary thing. But even then, it wasn't like he was out the field enough for that to be a thing. But, you know, there, there's a reason that when they called that onside kick the other week against Maryland, there's a reason that it was Chris Olave that caught it, that they, they trust him to make that play. There's a reason that Chris Olave blocked the punt against Indiana this year and when he blocked that punt against Michigan last year that really broke open that game and why he why he just the the instant that he saw the field at the end of last season he was a difference maker for the team and had huge games against Michigan and Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship so there's a reason for all that and there's a reason that he caught the touchdown yesterday that ended the game for all intents and purposes that was it when Chris Olave caught that ball I felt pretty confidently that, okay, this game is over. That guy's making that play right there. He's going up over two dudes. This shit's over. It's done. And Ohio State really hasn't had a receiver like that in a, in a long time. And they, they've had some really damn good ones. Michael Thomas, Devin Smith, uh, any number of guys. Whoever you want to bring up, they've had dudes. I don't think they've had a dude like Chris Olave, who, like, he's not the most physical guy. He's not the fastest guy. But you get him on the field, his route running is better than anyone. He gets by guys on double moves. There was a play that should have been a touchdown that Fields kind of just underthrew in the second quarter, and Olave probably should have come down with it, and you expect him to come down with that. But whenever they give him a chance, all he does is make plays. And so, like I said with... I think that the coaching staff will, will go back and watch the film and think, man, we should have we should have trusted Justin more. I think they'll go back and watch that and like that has to be the last straw for them of like we can't keep this guy off the field. He needs to be on the field on offense every single time they're out there because when he's out there and he gets the ball, all he does is make plays. So that's my Chris Olave rant because that was it was just super weird and it was nice that he was the one that ended the game basically that he scored that touchdown and for him to do it so emphatically with a play like that um, that's just what Chris Olave does so I don't want to see him off the field at all for the rest of the season also since I'm on the passing game and I already talked about Justin Fields and some of the throws he was making I would be remiss to not point out the touchdown that he threw to KJ Hill in the opening drive of the third quarter go back and watch that throw that was elite level stuff from Justin Fields. Clatt uh, had like a big breakdown of it when they come back from commercial break after the touchdown. And he, he looks out the safety to the right, kind of holds the other one. And so that's that's great. You like you love that, that he's able, he's making those reads and getting more comfortable in doing that. But then he goes to KJ Hill and the throw 
over the left shoulder, just perfectly in his hands, in stride. He couldn't have handed it to him any better. That is the type of throw where you pair that with everything else that he does. You pair it with everything else that this offense does. And that's where defensive coordinators watch the film and they're like, how do we, how do we stop these guys? If that's what the quarterback is doing, he runs the way he's able to. The offensive line plays well. J.K. Dobbins does his thing. They have this Chris Olave guy who all he does is make plays. What, there's no defense for that. And so that throw, I just had to single out because that's the best throw I've seen him make all season. And honestly, one of the best throws I've seen from an Ohio State quarterback, maybe ever. That, that was a really damn good throw. So shout out to, to Fields and uh, KJ Hill. He keeps climbing up the leaderboard of uh, he, he's coming after that reception record. So hopefully he's able to get it against Michigan. But that was just beautiful throw. And I wanted to talk about it for a second. That's pretty much my overall thoughts about what I saw yesterday in this game. I'm sure I, I missed a couple of things or, or glossed over a little bit, but that's all I had in my notes. And I, I thought that for the most part, um, Ohio State really dominated this game. And, you know, the scoreboard didn't indicate that. And that's that's the only thing that matters. But this was a game Ohio State probably should have won 41 to 17 or 41 to 10 because they played that well, but they just had a couple of mistakes that really hurt them and gave Penn State life. But it wasn't like they weren't aggressive. Ryan Day went for it on fourth down multiple times in situations where, like for by regular coaching standards, it was gray areas. For, for us, what fans and everybody watching the game, it's like always, yeah, go for it, go for it. And Ryan Day did that, and they played really aggressive. They didn't play to lose, at least when it came to those decisions. Maybe you want to say some of the play calling in the third and fourth quarter was playing not to lose, but I felt like Ryan Day was very aggressive, and it paid off because James Franklin wasn't, and that really cost Penn State. So I loved that Ryan Day continued his kind of aggressive decision-making when it comes to stuff like that. So those two fourth down plays were really huge, and Justin Fields had a couple of nice runs on them. All right, so I'm going to take a break. We're going to hear from some sponsors. That's really all I have to say about this game. Now we get to you. We're going to read some of your tweets, your questions, your comments about this one, what you felt about it. Maybe it'll change the way I felt about the game, but we'll get to that right here in a second after this break on the Hangout in the Holy Land. All right, welcome back into the Hangout in the Holy Land. We are talking Ohio State's 28-17 win over Penn State yesterday, and it's time to get to what you guys think about this game. And so yesterday I tweeted out, uh, give us your thoughts, how are you feeling after that one from at Holy Land Pod, which you should follow and interact with. That's where you can send all your questions and uh, stuff you want to talk about on the show. I'll always read them. I love having you guys interact with the show. So I asked how you guys were feeling, and we got a a lot of different responses. So I'm going to read uh, some of the best ones that we got and see if my perspective or your perspective about this game changes at all after seeing what other people thought of this game. Uh, We'll start with regular listener Buckeye913, who said, Feeling solid. The only thing that can slow Ohio State down is themselves. They didn't need to subject Fields to 20 carries to win. Fields has thrown one INT for crying out loud. Rip it. Yeah, that's pretty much how I'm feeling as well. That's like what I said about them going back watching the film. I'm sure that they're going to just be like, well, why didn't we trust Justin to throw? Like we we should have we made a mistake there. I think that that's that's something that they will correct. Uh, Kirk Ritzman says the fact that a double digit win against a top ten team feels frustrating speaks to how dominant this team is. 
Absolutely. That that's that's where we are. And and that's the difference between this game and like I said, some of the games in previous years. This doesn't feel like it, it's an ugly win for sure, but I, I don't feel gross after this one. And I think a lot of people have that same sentiment that like we've just seen Ohio State blow out so many teams that the fact that they didn't blow out a team is kind of just like, oh damn it. Like and this is the top ten team we're talking about. So that's that's the benchmark that they've established for themselves in the first ten games of the season, which is just amazing. Uh, Action Jackson has a couple comments where he says, first, play calling got a little tight and urban-esque when things were going wrong, but it was also the first time the staff was actually tested. I think it ends up being a positive. Part two, I would like to see Olave and Browning on the field for a majority of the snaps, please. Definitely. 100% with you. Uh, Bino Martins says, Ohio State played by far its worst game of the year against a top 10 opponent and still won by 11. That bodes well, I think. Yeah, that's we're just here. You're hearing it more and more, as the kids like to say. Um, that kind of seems to be the general consensus here. That you know, Patty Jones says, "Strange to feel so stressed in the fourth quarter. It's been a year, but I'm still going with the good. They got a test philosophy. That's it. it really is whether you want to view that game in this light or like, oh, they made so many mistakes. That's going to bite them in the ass down the road. So it's really both of those. I think opposing sort of however you want to feel about the game and talk yourself into it. Like whether it's like, Hey, um, it's good that they got tested or it's man there. This is going to happen again and it's going to go bad. I think it's more of the former than the latter. I think that it's, it's good for the most part that they were able to kind of battle through their mistakes and, um, take a punch in the mouth. Basically. Tony Starks says concerned going into next week, too conservative at times and fields looked shaky under pressure. Bailed out by his legs in Olave mossing PSU defensive backs. Um, I agree and I disagree. That I definitely don't agree that Fields looked shaky under pressure. I, I think that he's still a young quarterback getting used to seeing things. And quite honestly, Penn State's just a good defense. They deserve a little credit for some of the confusion and, and some of the plays that they made. But I thought for the most part, when the pressure came, Fields did really well. And I mean... Yeah, he was bailed out by his legs, but like that's what makes him Justin Fields. Like he, you don't want Justin Fields to just stand in the pocket and get hit. Like he, he can roll out of the pocket and make plays. Like the throw to Jeremy Ruckert, not a lot of guys can make that play. And not just spitting out of the pressure, turning your back to the line of scrimmage, but making that throw too. That's what makes Justin Fields so special. And like on Olave mossing Penn State defensive backs, like. That's another thing. It, play doesn't have to be perfect. Just throw it up. He's going to go get it. That's that's why you recruit receivers like that to go make plays. He doesn't need to throw dimes every single time to, to any of those guys, whether it's uh, Olave or KJ Hill or Benjamin Victor, whatever. Those guys can make plays, so just, just get them the ball. Josh says, uh, win was sloppy, but feeling relieved. Penn State, I think, showed their ranking was justified despite our play calling and uncharacteristic mental mistakes. Chase Young, good vulnerability to option upsetting at times Olave incredible anticipate focus team to limit mistakes next week let's go yeah I think that they'll be that's that's an interesting point that I, I do think that uh not just winning close but in the the or closer I guess not just close but in the manner that they won kind of close that it wasn't just like hey Penn State gave us their best shot and we just won 28 to 17 it was like ugh 
we made, we made a lot of mistakes. Like let's let's get back to the drawing board. Let's let's focus. So I think that that may end up being a good thing for them. That I think the way that they won in a weird way is going to have them a little more focused. And may, maybe not even that. Like how much more focused do you need to be for the Michigan game? But I think that'll lead to them tightening some things up given the way that they won. Lastly, I think uh, Adam Warrington sums it up perfectly. He just said test passed. That's that's a good way to put it, Adam. That this was. Not the first real test for this team, but it certainly was the best test for this team so far. And they passed it. By first real test, I mean like there were moments in the season where, you know, how are they going to look against Michigan State's defense when they were still playing well? Or how are they going to look early in the season against Cincinnati's defense? This like overall, clearly the biggest real test that they've had. Penn State is by far the best team, but I, I felt like, there's just certain games sometimes where you just you just got to come out with a win. You just got to find a way, and if you don't play your best, you fix it afterwards and you, you learn from the mistakes, and I think that this is the game that's going to be that for this team, or at least that's what you hope, is that, hey, you know, we, we got the win. There's a lot we need to work on, but Penn State's a really good team, and we were able to beat them despite not playing our best game. So great way to put it, Adam. This was a test that Ohio State passed, and now they have an even bigger test uh, this week going on the road, playing in the game against Michigan. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to preview the game. Um, We're going to have a very special guest to preview the Michigan game. We're not going to do it with anyone from Michigan. I don't care to talk to any Michigan man or woman. I don't want to hear about them or hear what their strengths and weaknesses are. I just want to make fun of Michigan for a good 50 minutes. And uh, I have a co-host this week that I think you guys will enjoy. Well, some of you for sure won't. I I know that for a fact, and I want to tell all of you in advance that won't enjoy it, I don't care about any of you or your opinions because you're completely 100% wrong, and this guest is going to rule, and we're going to have a great time, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, Be on the lookout for that preview episode on either late Tuesday or early Wednesday. I'm super fired up for it, so follow along on Apple Podcasts, and follow on Spotify as well and go to LandGrantHolyLand.com not only for the podcast but all of our coverage for Michigan Week. We got a lot of awesome content coming your way. This is huge and we'll, we'll get into a deeper discussion about Michigan on that episode and how Ohio State kind of, like at least in theory, they don't have to win this game, which is really odd and I don't want to have that like be a thing, but... Um, this is it this is it's a weird weird situation that they're in. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that on the show, but like I said, I am very fired up for that. I can't wait for you guys to hear that episode and I can't wait to record it. So be on the lookout for that Wednesday. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening to this week's show. I hope it wasn't too jumbled and convoluted. I am severely hungover from yesterday. I had a super great time on my couch drinking tall boy Coors Lights. Maybe a little too much fun. But um, hopefully it was a decent enough episode and and summed up everything we saw from Ohio State uh, fairly well. But please let me know um, how I did on this episode at Dubsco on Twitter and at Holy Land Pod. All right, enough of me. Thank you guys for listening to today's show. Be on the lookout for the preview on Wednesday. Until then, I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday and have a wonderful start to your week. My name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks. <laughs>